Welcome to episode 8 of Elise's Point podcast. I'm your host, Elise Gorl, PhD candidate, Canadian mental performance consultant, and sport karate athlete. Each week, I present a monologue of different topics that focus on point sparring aspects of sport karate. I want to stress that although each episode stands alone, this podcast should really be listened to as a whole. This project is meant to be informative, thought-provoking, and cause reflection. Keep in mind that some of the content is based on my observations and experiences from years of training and competing as a competitive athlete in sport karate. This means that it doesn't necessarily pertain or is applicable to every stakeholder within the sport. The overall goal is to promote a safe, healthy, and rational sport structure for future sport karate athletes. So let's start. Episode 8. Lights. Camera. Action. The difference between sport and spectacle. Announcers in any major sport are in positions to explain the occurrences and facts of the athletes and events. These are usually stats and past artifacts of the athlete. This is especially helpful in competitions in order for spectators to understand the skill level of each competitor. If announcers don't have all the information or are totally biased in their opinion, you get many instances like the following. It was a live broadcast of the 2012 London Olympics women's 800-meter freestyle swim. Katie Ledecky was making her international debut and was swimming against the British favorite Rebecca Adlington. The announcers from the BBC had completely dismissed Ledecky, showing favor for Adlington, who was sure to make history, and finally had to admit their error when Ledecky had annihilated the competition. She finished four seconds faster than her nearest competitor. That's crazy. How did this happen? How did the announcers get it so wrong? I mean, Adlington is very good. But it was clear that the announcers' biases and opinions had a very strong implication in the broadcast. But at least with swimming, racing, not synchronizing, there is a very objective outcome. What if broadcasters were like this for subjective sports? It would surely influence the perspectives of the viewers. Sport karate is a very subjective sport. I've said this before, but what does it mean? It means we do not have an exact measurement for performance. For example, many sports base their measurement on time, other sports base it on how many points you can score in the space provided, that is, goals, baskets, runs, shots. Then there are sports where the outcome is based on the judgment of others through a score sheet. And then there is sport karate, point sparring, where we are measuring against another opponent and under the influence of someone else's judgment. AKA, the points are thrown fast and sometimes at the same time. It's based on what the referee sees 
and not necessarily what technique hits first. So, what does this mean? It means that there is a lot of subjectivity within the outcome of the performance. Much of the outcome is dictated by the power of others, not necessarily the athletes themselves. How do we keep things accountable? How do we know we are getting transparent and accurate information to keep the playing field fair? It could even be argued that a fair playing field is the difference between a sport and a spectacle. Or a production. Expert versus novice knowledge. In sport karate, there are many people who have the same credentials. But when do you know who is an expert in their field? Expertise is often confused with personal achievement and prestige. This is the same as outside of sport karate where many stars or people within authoritative positions are currently being looked to to provide information without having any knowledge base to provide the expert advice. Interestingly, many people mistakenly think that they have expert knowledge. Perhaps this is because there is nothing to measure against. I mean, many people have the same qualifications, so how does someone know they have more, or expert, knowledge in their field? That is to say, sometimes when people believe they are good at something, they can actually be terribly wrong and won't realize that they are terribly wrong. This is because the skills like self-monitoring and critical thinking that create competence in a particular domain are often the same skills that are required to evaluate competence in that domain of their ability or of anyone else's. This is demonstrated in expertise research, where it is revealed that novices possess poorer metacognitive skills than experts. So, how do we know when a person or organization who is in a prestigious position has expert knowledge to provide credibility, trust, as well as unbiased and accurate information? Typically, but not always, the expert knowledge that outside and inside perspectives turn to are the people who run the matches and the people talking about the sport. Having expert knowledge allows stakeholders to trust that fair play is being upheld and allows for understanding about aspects within the sport with less focus on entertainment display. The goal of sport should be to uphold a fair playing field within the game as much as possible in order to have a fair match. You know, because this is how athletes appraise their competence. Focusing on sport karate. How do we know that we are watching a sport or a spectacle? We can discuss this in the way that information is propagated as well as the actions within the game. Propaganda. Some sport karate communities have gotten into this habit of karate fantasy sport, or these polls in which people within the sport karate community debate and vote on who would win in a match. These fantasy matches encourage social comparisons with the persuasive element for lineups that might not be possible in past, present, or future time. 
and usually with no underlying facts associated with the outcome of the matches. Real people's abilities are being assessed, and who knows if it's by expert knowledge. Usually, it's popular opinion. Not to mention that, often because of the generation gap between these athletes, these matches have no way of playing themselves out. It would be like comparing Muhammad Ali to Mike Tyson. The comparison would be disrespectful to the skill between each athlete, both of whom have progressed the sport in some way and were champions at one time and different times in their lives. But it is so easy to listen to this type of information and actually participate in it. And the smoke and mirrors allows it to be presented as something that is credible, prestigious, trustworthy, and a form of expertise. How do you know when it is? Especially when there are different expert areas of the sport. For example, there are experts in point sparring, and then there's experts in forms. Actions within the game. In one of the previous podcasts, episode 3, we discussed what a fair fight could imply. That the rules have been laid out ahead of time, and both parties are aware and understand exactly the implications of the match and have agreed to the rules outlined. Through that, we can also discuss the manner of fair play. There is the concept of mutual deceits in sport, where there are unsaid and unwritten rules, but it is part of the game. Poker is an example where unseen deceit is mutually understood and consented to. It is part of the strategy, taught or learned by experience. Arguably, if everyone is aware of the rule, everyone knows the perimeters of the game, and therefore, there is fair opportunity for each person to participate. What if not all stakeholders are aware of the circumstances of the match? By stakeholders, I mean the athletes, the coaches, the promoters, the organization, the spectators, and so on. Doping is an obvious example of deceit where the athlete is controlling their performance beyond natural means in order to obtain an outcome that they desire. Another example of athletes' influence on the game outcome is point shaving. Point shaving is not throwing games. It is the athletes and sometimes the referees taking actions in their control in order to alter the score of the game. It is an example of the influence of gambling on sport. It is a lot less of a gamble if you know beforehand where the score will fall. We've had a recent example of deceit with the Houston Astros and their sign-stealing method. The team would use video to steal the catcher's sign to the pitcher and then signal the batter what pitch was being thrown. You might think, well, it's baseball, and sign-stealing is part of the game, and could be considered as part of an unwritten rule and mutually agreed upon. Well, using technology to sign-steal is the illegal part. It's a written rule. This method of sign-stealing didn't only affect the outcome of the game, but it also affected other athletes' careers. And that is unfair. 
Okay, so how does any of this relate to point sparring? One of the most unique characteristics of point sparring is the real-time score-awarding system. Point sparring rules dictate that once contact is made, the referee stops the fight and has all refs immediately call the point they saw first. The purpose of this is, is to demonstrate the fairness in awarding athletes a point. By calling the point, the referees demonstrate transparency in their decision-making. It is upholding the purpose of who hit first in the sport. This isn't only for the people to know the score, it's also for the fighters. The fighters need to take the feedback in order to adjust their strategy, because sometimes it's not always obvious the techniques the referees are seeing. Without knowing the score or the way that the points are being called, there are more unknown and uncontrollable factors that are heightened. It makes it highly deceitful. As an athlete, it is already difficult enough knowing the score and how the referees are calling. For example, if I'm fighting and I have three referees, I need at least two of them to agree that they saw my point first. What happens if one out of three referees is calling no points in my direction? This might be an unconscious decision by the referee, but If that is the case, then I am limited to two referees calling my points and my chances at a fair fight have gotten much slimmer. And without knowing the score real-time, I have no way of adapting and learning. If the athletes don't know the score, then, to me, as the athlete, you are allowing for the possibility of external forces to influence the production of the match instead of being part of the process. It would also make the sport hard to follow as a spectator new to the sport. So, what's the point? It is essential that transparency is upheld as much as possible within any game of sport for a fair playing field. And feedback from expert sources is necessary so that the information that we are receiving is from a trained and trustworthy source. It legitimizes what we are doing. Many sports are trying to enhance their transparency. They do this by using technology, like replays, to make sure the referees are making the right calls. There is now technology being used in continuous fighting to help demonstrate what the score is in real time during the match so that viewers can see how the outcome was decided, versus the classic revealing at the end. If we don't have accurate, incredible, and trustworthy information, then we have to critically think what the purpose of it all really is. What is the bottom line? And that is the difference between a sport and a spectacle. I would like to end the podcast with a question. Keeping in mind that some of the best athletes in the world are amateur athletes, What do you think the differences between amateur sport and professional sport are? Thank you for taking the time and listening to Elise's Point. Check in every Monday so you don't miss any episodes. Does this topic resonate with you? Have any thoughts? Anything that came up while you were listening? 
I would love to hear about them. Please leave a comment on Ulysses Point Facebook page. I will talk to you next week. The references to this information are included in the description of this episode. Music by Atch. I would also like to give a shout out to Oliver for letting me use his recording space.